0: Great Larry David once said, a cigar is relaxing, and when you relax, you are open to more thoughts, and you have time to think. So welcome to the first ever Humidor edition of Cigar City Radio, where we sit down with our guests to enjoy a relaxing cigar and talk music. I'm your host, Jason Solanas, and making the magic happen is Randy
1: Ojeda. I'm I'm not really making the magic happen on this one, to be honest. He, this, he makes some magic out. No, no, this one's all you, man. I, I, this is actually my favorite episode of the podcast because I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm not in it at all. It's fantastic.
0: This episode was recorded at King Corona Cigars. King Corona Cigars is the oldest cigar cafe in Ybor City. With a variety of more than 50 carefully curated cigars and an equally impressive selection of beers and wines, you can watch Ybor's finest roll by for hours while you relax in the classic Florida lifestyle you can find them on Facebook and Instagram and on 7th Avenue in the heart of the action
1: closing out this week's episode is a new track called wanted all from Chicago producer Nassim Williams it features Harlem rappers L's and Malay and an impressive feature from the one and only Camron. we recently offered Nassim Williams a deal through our distribution and this is the first single to come from that partnership I've known Nassim a while. He's a smart producer, excellent DJ, and he's going to have some incredible music coming this year. So stay through to the end of this episode to hear Want It All by Naseem Williams and check out the track on Spotify, Apple Music, and Tidal. Oh, and did I mention it has Camron on it? Camron. Camron. Man. Jason, what you know about Dipset? Not not much. Jason doesn't know anything about <laughs> Dipset. To learn more about our distribution services, head to cigarcitymanagement.com/distribution.
0: In this episode, I speak with Andy Hastings, music engineer, photographer, multi-instrumentalist, and music aficionado. We discuss his life in music, ranging from learning classical piano to interning at VJ Recording Studio, to working in TV production. Believing that music improvisation is the heart of music writing, Andy is a great person to listen to if you're wondering how to kick off a new writing style. So here it is, the first Cigar City Radio Humidor edition, Episode 16. jace yeah man thanks for coming in
2: thanks for inviting me in man, problem, i get this dude. kick back enjoy a smoke enjoy some view
0: yeah man it's uh for point of reference it's about 245 in Ebor city and we're sitting behind a window watching all the drunk people stroll by the street is closed off so they're just walking everywhere and it's kind of a shit show people don't understand how they're dressed. I think.
2: As long as it's scanty, I really don't care.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's start from the very beginning. Let's do a a timeline thing. Mm -hmm. What was the first time you realized that you either wanted to be a musician or you wanted to be involved with music? Was there a turning point in your childhood and your life that that pointed you to that?
2: For the most part, it all happened at the same time. Mm. About five years old, my mother gave me my first album, uh, Tchaikovsky and a turntable. Her twin sister gave me a little player piano and their older sister gave me a CB radio that you had to put together in order to work. So with that, I just started experimenting on both sides. Mm. And it worked out well for everything except... The CB radio. <laughs> you couldn't figure out how to put Which it together? Which never went together. Yeah, well, fuck that. Yeah, it was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. I'll <laughs> stick this here. I'll stick that in there. Pretty much like my sex life. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> It'll go here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so did you learn how to play any Tchaikovsky on the little piano? Or never did you hear how- it and know that that was... Like a direction that you wanted to
2: take. That was a direction because three years later, actually, I wouldn't even say it was three years later. It was maybe two years later. My father thought it would be a great idea for me to start taking classical piano lessons. Yeah. So at seven, I started taking classical piano lessons. And uh, maybe a year or two after that, I started taking guitar lessons. Mm. And it just kind of grew from there. And with the guitar... Of course, at you know ten years old, everything has to be amplified. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter course. what; it, it, it has to be amplified until your ears bleed. Exactly. Yeah, you know. So this is maybe nineteen seventy three. You oh, know, the right. only thing we have is like television.
0: What a good time to learn guitar! Oh Yo, yeah. yeah, you know, you
2: had a lot. You had Santana, which I think was pretty much at around his peak then. Yeah. Um, of course you still had some some Jimi Hendrix running around. You had a Jimi Hendrix protege, um, Ernie Isley mm. playing with the Isley brothers you and, and don't hear
0: Ernie yeah. Isley ever yeah. mentioned now. You, really you don't hear the hear Isley him. brothers yeah. when people talk about funk, but not Ernie. Yeah,
2: but Ernie was he was the other kind of jazz soul R and B guitar player. Yeah. You know. Uh So everything had to be amplified, and I just got into amplification and speakers and amplifiers and got into recording engineering after that. Started cutting class, and instead of hanging out on the street corner, I was hanging out at RCA Records in Manhattan. Hey, man, how could mom be mad? Yeah, you know, (laughs) but she was. Yeah, well,
0: you know, you could have been like smoking weed or something, like a bad kid. So RCA Records in Manhattan, how'd you... Get into hanging out there of all places
2: running around Manhattan at about you know, I think it was like 16 years old at that point, and I was hanging out at uh Sam Ash Music. There was a neighborhood just off of uh Times Square, actually, it was a, a street off Times Square, 48th, which was Terminal Music, Sam Ash, Alex Music, Manny's Music. They all were on that block. Mm. So you saw guys coming and going, you know, uh, it was electroharmonics as well. And they had a demo center there. Oh, God, yeah. And I'd walk around that area and I stumbled onto RCA Records and hit the button to the elevator up. Started exploring. <laughs> Ended up into a room where I saw some other uh, musicians hang- hanging out. And I uh, just started asking them questions. I was like, "Dude, I want to know how to make a record." Yeah. And uh, I'm like, "All right, cool." I mean, and it's it, was a, just a, it was just as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was
0: the '70s, yeah. so people were much more open to it. Exactly. It wasn't like fingerprint security to get in to hang out with Jay nah. Z or whatever. They were just totally fine with a kid coming in and learning. Exactly. Were you Especially one of the, that age? Were you like the only kid that that knew about the place, or the only kid that was that interested?
2: Probably a little of both. Yeah. Because you don't walk around Manhattan and see RCA records and go, okay, yeah, I think I'll go in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I walked in, I I, kind of started becoming somewhat of a fixture until one engineer thought, shouldn't you be in school? And I didn't come up with an answer fast enough. (laughs) So Uh, he said, tell you what, you get out of here, go back to school. And during the summer, you can come by and ask us any question you want and hang out. Like a responsible adult. Yeah. God damn responsible adults. (laughs) Always ruin our (laughs) childhoods.
0: So it was cool. Did you come in contact with anyone in RCA that people would be interested in hearing about? Or are they all generally, as far as you know, underground?
2: Uh, A lot of underground. There was one guy who um, became my mentor. And this was outside of RCA Records. Um, and I can't remember his name to save my life. But I think he was the executive producer of Buck Rogers back then. Oh, the no shit, dude. <laughs> For those who remember Buck Rogers on television. Hell that was yeah, it, dude.
0: You know? So they made you go back to school. And you got to learn from them over the summers how to mm-hmm. cut a record. Yeah. Um, at what age did that stop in another part of your life? Start. So, was it when you graduated high school, or, or were you forced out of that in any way at any point?
2: Actually, I was. It was during my last year of high school. We ended up moving from New York to Port Goddamn Charlotte, Florida, 1980. I was the youngest person in Port Charlotte.
0: Damn, dude! <laughs> By a long shot. Is that where people yeah. went to die?
2: Yes, they still do. <laughs> Have you visited? I, I have to visit. Uh, I still have a father who lives down there. Yeah, yeah. And I go down and say hi and remind him that he moved me there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, but you, you, uh, you didn't seem to come out worse for wear, at
2: least. I made a deal with him, and he countered with another deal. I said, I want to go back to New York and go to uh, Institute of Audio Research. He says, that's a nice wonderful idea how about this you go to a college i can get to in a day and i'll pay for it and i said you can get to new york in a day he says how about three hours
0: oh uh, no no that's he yeah. sandbagged he <laughs> yeah. sandbagged you. yeah he did that sucks that so
2: sucks. uh that was it all right well, well where did you wind up going to college ended then? up going to uh full sale
0: Right on. And what what was the technical study? What 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 was your degree?
2: Recording engineering, live sound reinforcement. Minored in uh, there was uh, music law. Yeah, you know, little stuff like that. Oh yeah. We all wanted to be rock and roll, rock and rollers. Of course, man,
0: come at it from every angle of the of the industry. Yeah.
2: So you go to school to become a become a rock and roller. Doesn't suck.
0: No, that doesn't suck at all. Surrounded by a bunch of like minded people.
2: Yeah. Did a little intern over at. BJ recording studio, which was really? around back then. Yeah, yeah BJ right. BJ was nice. Yeah, yeah. What what stuck out to
0: you most about BJ? Uh, the or Sphere generally?
2: Super Eclipse C board they had. Yeah, which was wonderful board to play around with. Yeah. It was uh, getting toward the. It was just before boards started to become automated, but they yeah. sounded really good. Um, got into Westlake speakers, URI speakers. You know, some stuff that uh, was quite impressive for for Florida.
0: Yeah, cutting edge for Florida. Yeah. So, what was so special about the C board?
2: It was kind of logically laid out. Yeah. Um, You didn't really have to search for a whole lot. Many boards, you have to have microscopic fingers to work. Yeah. You know, this board was a very nice board. It sounded really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice analog board. Sounded good, and it was the first board that I really got a chance to play with. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I learned some stuff hanging out at RCA Records, but I didn't really get to play with the board. Yeah, so be able to get hands on with the board for me, this was like you know, it was like a new pair of boobs.
0: (laughs) So, did you get to cut any records yourself at BJ?
2: I did one demo one demo yeah, was it for yourself it was or for someone else actually it was for my final oh no yeah sure. all right uh you had a couple of choices you could cut um another artist mix their stuff or record it so i mixed recorded uh, a couple of uh, other artists and uh was like hell I'm, I'm in here from midnight until i did my own work yeah so uh, i did my own demo and uh I still have it. No one's ever heard it.
0: <laughs> is that how you would like to keep it?
2: At this point, yes. Yeah. It was yeah. quite bad. Yeah, <laughs> it sucked. Is it, is it
0: still quite bad, or have you been tinkering? Um,
2: actually, I readdressed that, uh, that particular song in my studio about a month ago, Yeah, just to play around with it. So I'm going to take it to the next level.
0: So do you have it, do you have the stems digital or? No. It's still all. It's still
2: all analog. It's on a cassette. Oh, it's on an open reel as well. So and are you um, going to
0: try to break apart the tracks? and Fuck nah. with it? Just nah, it
2: I'm just going it it to leave that as it is and then just redo it as I would now. Hell yeah. Yeah.
0: If you had to give it a number, how many songs have you recorded total in your life? Because I've always been curious about. Uh, what that number would be for any given person.
2: The bulk of the recording I did was probably in the last 15 years. I did a Navy stint for a while. I did uh, 20 years in television engineering. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I was in television, started doing some, some studio recording as well. So I'm probably inclined to say somewhere in the neighborhood of about 300. Yeah. Yeah. Not a huge amount. Was it
0: mostly you, or is it a healthy mix between you and
2: she, others? Most of it is not me at all. Oh shit! Uh, I really didn't start recording my own stuff until maybe two years ago. No kidding. Because I was busy doing everybody else's. Yeah. Um. In between working the studio and working with the television station, I had no time for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I always had the ideas in my head and I always kept them in my head, but I never actually put them down until maybe early this year or late last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be important for a lot of the young musicians uh, and generally our listeners to understand how hard people work to to make it in one way or another in this industry, whether it be TV, radio, Mm -hmm. production side, as a musician, um... People people struggle their asses off to get anything done. Uh, so if we could, can we start at uh, at the beginning of you doing TV mm-hmm. and the progression of that through the studios?
2: I started in TV when I walked into Fox Network and wanted to get a job as uh, their their audio engineer. Mm. They said we don't even have a production department,
0: Fox. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) This
2: particular Fox Network was... What year was this and where? This was in Maine. In Maine. Portland, Maine. Yeah, We don't even have a production department right now. But we like your resume. How would you like to do broadcast engineering? You work in the engineering department, pay for your school, all of this good stuff. I said, okay, yeah, let's do that. And uh, a few years later, they started to develop a production facility and i came in with them on that and i uh, helped to build that out mm-hmm. then i got an offer at cbs and i went to cbs station was like see ya same city or same city Oh sure. yeah, same market and they had better toys
0: <laughs> they, they already had their production yeah together. they already
2: had their toys set yeah. and I, I walked into that um and the cool thing about it is, within a few years of working there, they they made me chief audio engineer. Yeah, which I was completely cool with. <laughs> I had a budget. We were doing a live um, morning news magazine on the weekend, mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday. So I'd get in, and we'd have live audio acts, live music acts that would come in and uh, perform. So with my background in recording engineering, I could. Grab a few mics. I had a budget. I could I could make it sound like it it wasn't recorded with you know with one mic in the middle of you know eighteen musicians. Yeah, yeah. So it sounded pretty good. And from there, I uh, I left Portland and moved to Columbia, South Carolina.
0: You sound a little disdainful. Oh Lord.
2: So what made you do that? A divorce. Oh no! Shit. Yeah, never I was like, knew "You were ever oh, married?" Let me get the hell out of here before I kill oh, this right. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you got the hell out yeah. of there. Then,
0: welcome to Tampa, where you're peaceful. Yes. <laughs> so you went to Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, did you go down there with a job proposition already, or Not did you go down all. there and then?
2: I went down hunted? there and started hunting. Yeah, and worked worked here, worked there. I, I ended up getting a job at. Um, NBC affiliate down there mm-hmm. Inside a month I quit from bed It sucked I had already been in television Coming up on 8 years at that point yeah. uh, I didn't feel that was how a television station Should be operated I didn't, the, the equipment was old It was antiquated It just wasn't a good fit yeah. At all Yeah. So I left that And um, kept looking around for a little while And got the job at f- another Fox Network, exactly a year after I got there, to the day it was like April Fool's Day,
3: <laughs>
2: and uh, proved my worth. And after that, got a, an opportunity to to buy into a recording studio, and said, "Yeah," because I was already doing a lot of freelance work. Yeah, and it was difficult to do in South Carolina, in Columbia, South Carolina, mm. because I had to search for money. I was like, okay, dude, you you owe me for this. This is the invoice. Come on, pay up. So I was doing some work up there, and and, uh, the owner of the studio I was working made me the offer. Buy in. I said, sure. Started working there during the nighttime, during the daytime, rather, because I was working at Fox Network at nighttime, 9 to 5. Go home, catch a nap, drive up to Charlotte, North Carolina, work in the studio all day, come back. Do the the station at night, yeah, and I did that for a number of years.
0: Yeah, so did you give yourself any weekends, or were you generally just fucking work
2: weekends? I I got out of Fox five a.m. Saturday morning. Yeah, had a nice sleep, partied Saturday night, partied <laughs> Sunday, and no studio time on on Mondays. Yeah, that was my coma time, and I went into a coma Monday. And I came out of it just in time to go to the station at 9 p.m. Shit. Dude. Yeah.
0: And start the whole Start the
2: thing around. all over again. Yeah. The, the cool thing about it is that I really didn't do it for very long. I think it was maybe I was at that Fox Network 11 years, and I did it for maybe the past, the last four or five. All right. Yeah. You know? So it didn't completely tear up. It didn't completely, like... didn't completely tear me up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what kind of stuff did you record at this studio? I mean, it being in North Carolina, and in, in what year
2: would this be now? And this would probably be two thousand five to two thousand ten.
0: 2005 to 2010. Actually, 2004, 2009. So, so, what kind of music were you recording and what kind of music was coming out of that specific area at the time?
2: Surprisingly, a lot of uh, Boz, Skaggs, Toto type of stuff. Oh, no shit. It was really cool. We had kind of like a little niche set up with, with, with those musicians. Mm. And um, some guys would come in from, from even out of the country and do some remixes there. Mm-hmm. So while I was there doing that, I was I was getting experience with electro electronic music as well, and a lot of the EDM guys will come in and start to do their work. Yeah, and I kind of just gravitated toward that as well.
0: Yeah, and that I mean between 2005 and 2010 would be like the genesis of what is considered modern EDM as opposed to to techno, yeah. right? Right. So were there any? musicians that stood out to you that never quite broke through
2: there were a few there was a a a remix actually it was a reimagining of uh, don't fear the reaper (laughs) within a very wonderful electronic arrangement that was just sophisticated smooth but it still had kind of that edge yeah uh, a very euro edge and I can't remember the name of the group to save my life, but that was a very good, Fuck good yeah. uh, cover.
0: Well, I'll I'll find it and I'll plug it mm. at the end of this. Um, well, right on EDM out of the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. That's they totally didn't know unexpected. we were even there. Yeah, that's we... yeah, that's something else, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've, Uh, So was that what the studio was geared towards, or was it geared more towards recording production?
2: It was more geared toward recording production, because we had a wonderful uh, Neve board, Flying V, that was analog. Mm. Everything else was handled digitally. So we had a a wonderful hybrid sound, handled analog, mixed and edited digitally. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the sine wave was kept intact. Yeah. But we uh, allowed for another studio to be primarily uh, electronic music production, mm. and it worked quite well.
0: Yeah, right on. So, what what software were you using at that time for electronic music production?
2: It was Pro Tools. Pro Tools. Yeah.
0: No shit hear about people using yeah. Pro Tools for, for EDM.
2: We were like, screw it, man. We can make this work. Yeah. So we did. You can make anything work in Pro yeah. Tools,
0: absolutely. <laughs> but it's not as easy as no. the other programs. You know,
2: by the time uh, some of the other programs came around, we were being offered uh, the opportunity to sell. Yeah. And we took it. Yeah. And uh, I left Fox. We sold the studio. mm And I moved to Tampa.
0: What year was that?
2: That was 2010. No shit. Yeah. 2010 came down here, started looking around, and found out that I was too long in the tooth to get back in television, (laughs) because I may I would they would one guy just flat out told me in an interview, this is off the record. He says, "What I'd have to pay you, I could get five full timers because you've Ah. been in television twenty years." This market can't do that.
0: Yeah, and there are a lot of twenty-five year olds. There are that... a
2: lot of interns that handle the work, and part timers that handle the rest. Yeah, our full timers are lifetimers. Yeah, when they die, we're not replacing them.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, damn, man, that blows. That that blew big time. I'm sorry, dude. That sucked. <laughs> yeah, big time.
2: Yeah. So, uh, knocked around a little bit longer. You know, I, I didn't have to really scrounge for money. Uh, and decided after a few, a couple of uh, family tragedies, that I would just start recording my stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and work through that. Uh, my, my mother died. My mother died six months later. My aunt died, her sister. Mm-hmm. So to uh, to work through all of that, I started getting my own gear and started recording my stuff. Right on. So, and that, it so that's been about two or three years. Yeah, and it sucked. It sucked because I had to get used to new new gear, new yeah. um, new acoustics because I was doing it at my home, not yeah. in a proper studio. Uh, get used to the uh, the software.
3: Yeah.
2: So it was it was relearning much of what I'd already learned, mm. and I'd wake up Saturday mornings and go down to. Um, Sam Ash and Guitar Center and, and learn digital music production from kids that were like twenty years old. <laughs> no yeah. <You> know, and <laughs> they're approaching this like it's it's, you know, PlayStation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Say, video game.
0: <laughs> they could probably hook it up to an Nintendo yeah. controller and do just fine.
2: Exactly. And yeah. I'm like old school trying to, you know, wrap my yeah. head around what's going on now. But my sister used a word that I I, I thought was perfect in her use use and it was basically remaining relevant simple well, and a lot of you know a lot of people in my age group they don't remain relevant yeah it's all old school or nothing and you can't grow that way yeah, yeah. You know, you get locked into how it was done, and you get locked into, man, back in the day, we used to do it like this, you know. That's why you said well, used to. Exactly. Yeah. You know, these aren't those days. Yeah. You know, a lot of my friends and, and family members, you know, the music they're so enamored with was over 40 years ago. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Let's move up a little bit.
0: So is, is speaking on music changing not only on the production, and is there a modern artist that you're particularly fond of? Modern as in somewhat new. Mm -hmm. I know you love Aldi Miola and all those.
2: uh, I don't know if I'd say he's new, but I love the uh, the guitar work of Andy Timmons. Andy Timmons? Yeah. This guy absolutely throws down. And uh, the song Cry For You is probably the song he's most most, uh, known for. Yeah. Uh, On the electronic side... There are groups that come and go. Everyone changes their name, Mm. you know, quite often. Zee, the new Tiesto stuff I kind of like. Of course, you know, Paul Oakenfold's always doing great stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, But there's so many that are not the type of electronic music that's really a full-on...
0: Composition. Composition. Yeah. You people know, are putting thought it, into their music instead of making people exactly. fucking do Molly and pump a fist. Exactly. Yeah. You
2: know? Um, and the um the virtual instruments are becoming so good. Yeah. That if you record them correctly, if you if you have a sense of how a violin should sound, yeah, it makes it easy for you to replicate that yeah. in in electronic music. And a lot of guys are using violin sounds. And even my stuff, I'm using violins and cello sounds that, unless you were there, you wouldn't know it wasn't a, it wasn't you know actual. It was virtual.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Speaking on uh, on the people that are stuck doing it old school, um, there are advantages to the analog old school way. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'll never love the sound of a guitar played through a digital amp uh, over a guitar played through a warm tube amp. But oh, yeah. um, some of the merit of these producers that have been able to break through the modern age and learn how to use all of this modern technology to their advantage is now they have the experience of um, an analog guitar should sound like this. I can make any digital guitar sound like this yeah. because I know what the fuck it's supposed mm-hmm. to sound like. Or if I wanted to sound like an analog guitar that's run through X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. I can make that happen. Yeah, um, I've seen a few producers be able to do stuff like that. And it's absolutely mind blowing, and the value to me in that is these twenty-five-year-olds have no fucking idea how to do it because their no. ear isn't trained to the yeah. instrument. It's trained to your one, two, three, fours. It's mm-hmm. trained to to your scaling and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So they're musically competent, but they're not tonally competent.
2: They don't really understand music mm. and sound. Uh, there are a couple guys out now, uh, two cellos, for example. Oh yeah, those guys are absolutely badass. Yeah, they understand music and they understand sound. Um, we're kind of disconnected from the sine wave, mm. and that's kind of a bad thing. Because uh, a lot of people don't understand the sine wave, they don't understand how the environment affects the sound wave. So to get guitar rig, for example, and come up with a great patch, I'm going to work this patch. Get a real tube amplifier and at least play around with it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, you know, turn it up and make sh- you. Know, Make sure your, your parents aren't home.
0: Yeah, man. Crank it. Crank Seriously. that bad boy up and
2: just enjoy what a real tone sounds like. Yeah. And that will s- help you so much in your recording uh, production and in your ear that you'll start to record differently. And mm. You'll start to play differently. Mm. And you'll be able to understand what it's like to to break off that string, that's hit a harmonic, and what it could really do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
0: what does it sound like when someone makes a mistake and why yeah. is that good?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And Hendrix used to make a lot of
0: mistakes. Nobody knew about it. But you, exactly. you never exactly. knew it. Exactly. Never knew That's the most valuable advice I ever got yeah. from anyone. Um, someone I consider a guitar mentor, even though he never really like sat down and taught me anything. Mm-hmm. I went into the studio one day and complained and griped about making a mistake on stage and how someone had reacted to it. And he looked at me and said, if you see someone reacting to you making a mistake while you're playing live you look them in the eyes and make the same fucking mistake mm-hmm. now it's intentional yeah so them looking surprised is them being an asshole mm-hmm. fuck that person yeah and that's damn right dude mm-hmm. nothing nothing to me has sounded better uh than coming of age and understanding what music should sound like and understanding that a mistake is still improvisation yeah uh that uh, you can go into Logic and Pro Tools and Ableton and fix all of your mistakes and make your music sound totally polished, but you're never going to get another Hendrix out of that. No. And until a lot of these young musicians that are coming up understand that, we're going to be pretty stagnant in what we hear on the radio.
2: Even more so. Yeah, absolutely. Increasingly, I mean, it's, it's it's gotten pretty boring. Yeah, it's dude. gotten so homogenized now. I can't. Listen. It's almost not worth listening to.
0: So, if you had to give a state of the union for the music industry as it is now, for what you listen to, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be like as a whole. For what you listen to, what are the pros and the cons of what's happening right now?
2: The pros are the technology. Mm-hmm. We have wonderful technology that can take you to the next level musically.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Don't pigeonhole. Don't trend. Yeah. Create music. Just create something.
3: Yeah.
2: Don't listen to something else and say, well, I want to do that. Just sit there with your guitar. Sit there with your drums. Sit there with your instrument. Play with your instrument. It's good to play with your instrument. (laughs) I play with my (laughs) instrument often daily. Daily. Three times a day. Exactly. It's important to play with your instrument. Play with your (laughs) instrument. Stop trying to be the next American idol.
0: Yeah. Be you. Be you. Nothing's better than an or- yeah. original artist.
2: One of the things I love about uh, a group out Alabama was the Alabama Shakes. I think Hell it is. Hell yeah,
0: dude!
2: These guys throw
0: down. They throw down. They throw
2: it out, and they are true about it. Yeah, yeah.
0: They're, everything is
2: from the heart. I mean, what's her name? Brittany? I think is a lead singer. Mm. It's funny to watch her. I mean, yeah, the faces are like yeah. ridiculous, but it's from the heart. Yeah it's all true it's from the heart yeah. and we really don't have a lot of artists anymore who are inclined to do things from the heart yeah it's all um it's all creating beats it's all creating hooks mm. it's all everyone wants to just throw something out there mm-hmm. and uh r&b has suffered soul has suffered yeah Jazz used to be one of the last bastions of true creativity because that's what it was all about, it was about improvisation. You never played the song twice the same way. Yeah. Good luck finding a lot of good jazz players now, especially yeah. the new ones. That can properly that improvise. That can properly imp- improvise. Yeah. Um, there's still your Stanley Clark, there's still Al Dimio, there's still Pat Metheny. there's still uh, Brian Bromberg, excellent yeah. bass player.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you're you're using that word. There's still yeah. not now. There's yeah.
2: There is. You know, now, yeah. I really can't take somebody. Yeah, yeah. That I'm listening to it. I'm going. Yeah. This guy is really the next. He he's he's giving honor. Yeah. To these genres. Yeah. You know. It's hard to find.
0: Yeah. It's absolutely hard to find. But on that token, um, it may be hard to find people that are playing what could be considered the the finer genres like like jazz or or softer blues or mm-hmm. what a lot of people consider cocktail lounge music. Um but you do have bands like the Alabama Shakes, yeah, you know? So different genres are picking up where, mm-hmm. where the ones that were traditionally churning out all the most talented musicians and turning it out themselves. Yeah. And honestly I like the way they're doing it because for the longest time the artists had to be Not only the best artists, they had to be the most beautiful artists. Mm -hmm. And I think that the lead singer from the Alabama Shakes is beautiful, but she sure as hell isn't traditionally beautiful. No. And it's really refreshing to see someone that can make it based on their talent and everything else Mm -hmm. is less important. Because when I listen to a record, am I looking at, I don't know, Lady Gaga's body or anything like that? Hell no. That doesn't matter to me. All I want is good composition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Give me you,
2: some good music. Yeah, man. You know. uh,
0: have you had a chance to listen to any of the bands like Churches, Caribou, uh, Bon Iver?
2: Bon Iver a little bit, yeah.
0: Yeah, I like Bon Iver. Yeah. Uh, he, he's definitely doing the composition thing. His new album, 22 A Million, mm-hmm. is a total turnaround from anything you yeah. done. It opens up with a song that's traditional for him in that there's a lot of chorus effect and the vocals mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but... Uh, it sounds like he's taken a volume knob and attached it to a balance knob Sweet. and just <clears throat> fucked with it the whole time. Yeah, so it's uh, it's very produced and you can tell, but it's incredibly original.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so there are people doing shit like that. Churches, I strongly recommend if you're into composition, but you're gonna run into the problem of um, you're gonna run into the problem of. Things being so perfectly produced yeah. that you can't find a flaw, mm-hmm. but in a way, it's it's refreshing. If if I'm sitting back drinking a whiskey and just listening to music, and I want to relax, there's something something to be said for knowing what's coming. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which I wish I could say about the music mm-hmm. industry as a whole.
2: There's a a jazz group, the Rippingtons. and. When you listen to them, they are so, so very produced to the point, uh, just like you just said, which it's it's absolute perfection. Yeah. Every note is exactly where it should be. Every beat is exactly where it should be. And I like that, but what I miss is human clock. Yeah. The human era. Yeah. That kind of... Um, Almost like you don't know what's going to happen yeah. next. You know, somebody may do something and then somebody else covers what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. The real music, musician interaction that, yeah. that you, know, you may get on a stage, but you're not getting it in the studio. Yeah, which, absolutely. You know, you, a lot of people are going to say, well, it's studio. You can't get it perfect. Yeah. You know, but there's, there's a lot to be said for just letting it
1: fly. So here's your fade out. Want it all by Nassim Williams featuring Els, Malay, and Camron.
4: that like chopper so my shirt long like kind gaze still a savage keep that 40 with a long leg Woo! Way spin and keep my shit with a temp fade i've been through hell and back like type to blow some money bring it back all uh. of one second get you niggas going for a rap probably less than that i'm sitting at the table full of drugs, drugs. catch me on lennox politic with some blues. blood I want it all. Heard y'all wanted me to fail. Fail. Wanted me stuck in them Uh jails. But I proceed and get it. Too much action, I live it. Melee making some moves. fuck with the bitches. Kicked me right up the cell. Now it's back to the kitchen. Had to start from the plant. Put it into a vision I'm in love with this money And these freak-ass women Falling with some speed Pull a truck with a hammer. So I roll on you niggas Swerve. Swerve, Swerve on you niggas Shout out to the haters Know we hurting all y'all niggas Killing competition Picking hearses for y'all niggas If I want it, I'ma get it Success successes as inexpensive oh. I'm back, bitch. I want it all. Ain't no telling what can happen. I swear to God, I'ma get it till I can't, bitch. I want it all. Ain't no telling what can happen. Nigga, fuck the law. I'm about my money, my nigga. Don't move funny, my nigga. Young nigga, stay in your lane for you. i humble, you nigga. From the jungle with killers. Where they going, real. I want it all. I'm kind of Money, my nigga. Huh, what money, my nigga? You smoking twenties, my nigga. Yeah, you funny, my nigga. If this was school, you'd be a fool. Yeah, you flunking, my nigga. Pop the trunk. I'm the garbage truck. Dump all you nigga. And I ain't feeling you niggas. Me, I make millions, my nigga. Not talking music in the lobby of the building, my nigga. And a lot of y'all get it wrong. Till I step to them, then they sing a different song. Can't can we get along? I'm back, bitch. I want it all. Ain't no telling what can. Happen. I swear to God, I'ma get it till I can't bitch. I want it all, ain't no tellin' what can happen. Nigga, fuck the loan, I my money, my nigga. Don't be funny, my nigga. Your nigga stay in your lane, forty you're humble, you nigga. From the jungle with killers. Where they goin' the real. I want it all a crowd of
2: power, respect all of the squirrell. We're kind of disconnected from the sine wave.